What's up, guys? This is Corey, and I'm here with Corey, and we are here with a very, very special Guka today. Uh, Tim Garrett. Tim Garrett is a KC Underground uh, guy through and through, but he's also uh, our trip leader here in Kenya. Um, and Guka, what, is, what does Guka mean in Swahili? Uh, Guka means grandfather. Grandfather. And, uh, with regret. Yeah, Tim, why? Why do you think that everyone's calling you Guka around here? Respect. <laughs> I think it's all about the wisdom. Yeah, lots of lots of wisdom. Guka means grandpa in Swahili, so we affectionately been calling Tim Garrett or Guka. Tim, uh, you've got you got two minutes or more. Tell us who are you? Why are we on this trip? And uh, what else do we need to know about Tim Garrett? Go. All right, I'm a dude that's trying to live the life of a disciple maker. And my job with Frontiers, um, with love and respect, inviting Muslim people to follow Jesus, was to come to Kansas City area. And my job has morphed into a, hey, Tim, why don't you find out what the African disciple makers are doing, figure out how we can learn from them, and let that be our job. And I have been loving it. So I come to Africa when it's not COVID time about five times a year, almost every other month, hanging with the African disciple makers, learning from them seeing how they are working with people of peace and going out and reaching the unreached, unengaged people groups, which is pretty awesome. Beautiful. So I guess I should give a little bit better of an introduction here. So, because this will be the introduction to the next few weeks of podcasts. We're actually, so I'm here, Corey McElvain, Corey Osborne, Tim Garrett uh, have taken a crew here to Kenya. Um, and yeah, like Tim said, works for Frontiers. Uh, but, you know, Frontiers is a sending organization, partners with lots of other organizations, um, including some stuff locally in Kansas City, as well as a bunch of students from the Kansas State University. Uh, we took them up here with the with, with the said intent to learn from disciple-making catalysts, um, DMM leaders that have, uh, I mean, really produced some of the most incredible fruit of anything that we're hearing about around the world. So it's like, hey, let's just go to Africa. Let's learn from these guys on the ground. And then <clears throat> I brought this little handy lapel mic to try to do some interviews. So we were able to interview a few of the uh, local church planners. And a lot of what the local church planners do are reaching some of the unreached people groups um, in, like, we're, we're just say North Kenya to, to get away from any specific uh, geographic areas just to make sure we're safe there. Um, and so my thought today as we just kind of introduce this is uh, the three of us can talk a little bit about our experience, some of the main things that uh, some of our takeaways, and then do a little introduction for the next few weeks. So I'm going to turn it to Corey McElvain. Um, and basically the question I want to, uh, for all of us here is what is what were some of the major takeaways that you guys had during this trip? Um, and we can talk about maybe how that, how, what that looks like in America after that. Yeah, I mean, I guess one of the major things for me is, and you hear about it, right, which is like just Holy Spirit movement stuff, but also like this insane reliance on that power movement. And yeah. it's one thing to hear that in stories in a book. It's a whole other thing to experience it and see it because uh, it's just it's it's the culture around everything they're yeah. doing. It's not this extra thing to fit in. It's not this afterthought, but it like is the natural rhythm by which they move. And so, yeah. for me and just student stuff, that is extremely uh, convicting, but also inspiring in both mm -hmm. ways. Where it's just like, man, how do I continue to create this culture of both prayer and reliance on the Spirit to move? Because yeah. 
again, I think in America we're seeing time and time again, we're not penetrating a lot of lostness mm-hmm. per se. We're just trying to almost um, reach the reached. You know, I had one of the right. church planner guys, James, even say to me uh, in sincerity, how do you reach those that are reached? And I was like, hmm, good question, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not entirely sure how that operates. And so it was just inspiring to see them do it and, and live it out and sacrificial living and really just um, pouring their lives into prayer and reliance on the Spirit. Yeah. So that was the biggest takeaway for yeah, me. It's huge. It is hard not to be blown away by that when you're, when you're around these guys. It's pretty amazing. Guka. What about you? Some of the major takeaways of this trip. Even though you come here a lot, this was a little bit unique, right, and, and compared to some of your other trips? Yeah, it definitely has been. Usually I bring medical people with me, and we go into some of the difficult reached areas. And to see you guys on this trip as well as uh, John from Ichthus, from the K-State students, and just all the people working together, it was, it was great. But I think for me, one of the African brothers said um, – you know, they, they live Second Timothy 2, too, as Paul is talking to Timothy, and he says, hey, if I have instructed you, go and instruct others who will instruct others. And the Africans will point out that's four generations of Jesus followers. And this one African brother said, do, do you Americans just always talk about stuff but never do anything? Yes. <laughs> that's, yes, that's exactly right. So, what, like, do you become obedient, or, or when do you do it? And I, when Isla... We were up here for this training, and, and Isla Tassi, who's, by the way, the, the Africans have what, what's called uh, the Big Five uh, Disciple Makers, not the Big Five Animals. They do have those, but the Big Five Disciple Makers. One is Isla from East Africa. One is Shadonka from West Africa. And another is Anusu uh, in Côte d'Ivoire or Ivory Coast. And there's two other uh, big disciple makers. So those guys are always saying, man, when do you guys become obedient-based followers of Jesus, simple faith, simple obedience. And Isla just kept saying that, simple faith, simple obedience. Take what you know, go and do it. Act on it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and you'll actually hear from Isla probably next week. I don't know when we're going to release all of these, um, but Isla, I mean, he describes, I think it was, was it Corey, 18 disciple-making movement streams. Um, So we got to visit a handful of tribes and see a handful of churches that have emerged out of disciple making. And so I had, uh, actually 10, you did it too, but like we got to actually hang with, uh, people groups that were, yeah, just gathering under a tree and there was a hundred people and Mar ours was about a hundred people. And we actually saw the entire missionary pathway in front of us, right? We see the, the church planners are coming in there. They're praying, they're praying for healing and, and deliverance, and people are, um, uh, they find a person of peace, and that person of peace walks them around and, you know, introduces them to other people, and they start a discovery Bible study under the tree, and now it's the entire village. The entire village is there worshiping Jesus, and that is one church. Okay, and so a, a disciple-making movement, as basically what Isla defines it as, a lot of people define it as, is about you know four generations of churches planting churches and seeing up to a, at least a hundred churches. That's a movement. So he's he sees like what eighteen of those. So we got a tiny little glimpse, but the glimpse that we saw was amazing. I think the thing that I think of, uh, and, and Corey and I got to be in a group together when we're in a. Just imagine, just the total stereotypical 
like mental image of Africa, like poverty in a hut, right? I mean, we are, we are out in the middle of nowhere for this. We travel hours and hours up north and then we travel hours and hours more and we're in, we're in the desert. I mean, we're literally in the desert and Corey and I and a handful of others are joining one of the, the church planters on the ground and uh, we're just walking around and knocking on, well, I don't, what even doors to knock on. There was huts uh, that were created of whatever they could find and we just start talking to the, um, some Muslims about Jesus and just having conversations and it was pretty cool. Corey, I don't, could you actually like, I'd love to tell that story of what we got to do, like the third house that we hung out. So we only have one mic, so that's why it's like awkwardly uh, passing it back and forth here. Yeah, so, you know, as we were walking around, we were just seeing if people would be open to just uh, chatting, basically, and just seeing if they'd be open to either letting us in their home or even just talking outside and seeing how they are and just ways that we could potentially pray for them. And so um, our our leader, one of the church planners, was, was really... <laughs> helpful in a lot of ways and then some ways was kind of like yeah. you're on your own figure it out it's like oh this guy wants to hear about jesus and he just looks at us he like oh us. all right where do we go from here but that was beautiful i mean that's i think that's god knew that's what we needed in a lot of ways you know yeah. so but yeah it was just uh it was a younger couple well a uh, uh, gentleman and then his sister-in-law yeah uh, it was her home and then that woman's sister. So, and there were a few kids hanging out. And so they welcomed us and we just sat down. They kind of brought chairs out for us and it was awesome. And uh, as we sat, you know, basically this guy's telling uh, uh, the church planner, um, hey, uh, why are these white people here basically? <laughs> what kind yeah. of deal? And it's like, well, they're here, and I, I don't know the direct translation of what he said, but something along the lines of Jesus, and, and they're from America, and, and told our names. And He also didn't say white people. He said Mzungus. Mzungus, right, right. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he basically set it up on a tee and asked Corey and I and the rest of the group kind of, hey, what do you what, – what stories he wants to know he wants to actually hear about jesus I was like, oh oh he does okay this is new for me people want to hear about jesus okay yeah so basically just going into you know and between Corey and i we kind of we, we did the tag team Corey. uh yeah, they, he totally got coried yeah it was awesome <laughs> uh and then we just went through i went through you know birth born of virgin mary all the way through death resurrection power of god sending his son jesus and um, just the freedom to come into a relationship with him, uh, and despite all of our brokenness and sins. And then Corey shared the story of uh, the paralytic man getting lowered through the roof. And I mean, so we kind of like finish, and they're like, "You got anything else?" It's like, "Nope." Uh, and then they're talking for a minute, and then the guy says, "Okay, uh, he wants to follow Jesus." We're like. Really? Okay. <laughs> Praise God. Did he say, I, I no longer want to follow Islam. I yeah. want to follow Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And then, and obviously, you know, this, our church planner was like immediately plugging him into the local church there and just like, okay. Mm-hmm. And he said, I want to come worship soon there. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I think it was like tomorrow. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah. it was beautiful because yeah, like what Corey was saying, there was an eagerness. There's just like a spiritual receptivity. Uh, these guys, they didn't, no one knew how to read. They're, they're eager for truth. Uh, the the place that we the house we stay in house the small hut that we stopped at two before that we had a really similar experience where we met an older gentleman and we were talking with him and and the, his son who was probably my age right he comes out and and uh, and he's basically like he's ha- nice but he's like oh I don't want to talk. I'm I, I'm Muslim I don't want to talk and he and he leaves he gets on his bike 
his dirt bike and, and drives away. So we're sitting here talking with the older guy. And he was just really just eager. He just wanted to he just wanted to hear more, right? And it wasn't his house. He was just visiting. And, and then about, what, 10 minutes later, the the younger guy comes back. And he's just like, he's like, I want, I want to know more. What's the difference? So we just started having a fun conversation about the difference between uh, maybe some of the ways that he's approached his relationship with God. And, and it, so it was just, it was really cool because this was not, oh, I don't know how to explain this. It, it was, you read Luke 10. And it felt exactly like what Jesus' instructions were. We went out as teams. We found persons of peace. We just talked. We talked about Jesus, and and it was just like incredible to see what can happen. And there's definitely a lot of people who weren't receptive, right? And and it wasn't like we we're trying to shove anything down their throat or have them pray this prayer that means nothing. I mean, we're like people are eager for this, and then getting connected with the Discovery Bible Studies. They had like ten or so Discovery Bible Studies in that town, and a recent church that had emerged so i don't know i mean just pretty incredible so tim you had some cool what is another like cool story or experience that you had during this week well what happened what i like was what isla said isla said look as we go we're prayer walking so be in prayer as we go and when you're praying you just see are they people at peace if they're not move on and man first home we went to it's like no and the church planner was like yep not a person of peace so we're moving along second one kind of open but not really interested the third one is like wow that's very interesting i'd like to know more about that and we're just talking and telling jesus stories about uh the lamb the hundred hundred sheep and the one sheep went out and the shepherd came and found it and brought him back and it, they could relate to that and then one lady's like yeah i want to i, I want to follow jesus and right away the difference between these Africans too, they'll, they'll tell us Americans, you guys are your magical prayer. You Americans, you do the magical prayer. Okay, Lord, come into my life. I don't want to go to hell. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to heaven. Sweet. And the Africans are like, no, you're saying, hey, I want to follow you. And here's what that means. I'm a disciple of Jesus. So I met this one disciple uh, named Samson. And uh, he said, I'm a follower of Jesus that makes disciples. And I'm like, how long have you been following Jesus? Six months. I'm like, what? Yeah. Six months. So right away, they're like, I'm a disciple of Jesus who makes disciples. So it's, it's not the magical prayer. It's I'm doing life with Jesus, and I'm going to kick it with my brothers and sisters. And that's, that's really cool, yeah. encouraging. Which is like the difference between an identity and a statement. You know, it's yeah. like identity is this is who I am because this is what Jesus said. So yeah. this is who I am, not an action or thing that I do. This is literally, I am now removing my old identity and creating this new one in Jesus as opposed to like the prayer statement you're saying, which is beautiful. It it has been a beautiful week because it's, it's like we're getting front row seats to stories that you read about, you know, both in the Bible, but, you know, all these books that describe disciple making movements and we're and we're being trained in the same way that local church planners are being trained. Um, and, and they'll they'll use the language church planners. You know, we often say we don't like that phrase because of the, all the ideas that come in our mind about church. But it's the, it's the same thing. I mean, guys, the missionary pathway that we talk about in Case the Underground is the same thing that we sat and got to learn from these people all week long and just talk a lot about prayer. 
we use the phrase access ministry a lot. What does it mean to love people in the name of Jesus and like compassion ministries to open up doors to find persons of peace? And things just click sometimes when you can see it. And I think that's what happened with a lot of people this week is that we're just able able to see it. So access speaking of access ministry that Corey just mentioned, the K State students raised sixty five hundred dollars. And when we got here, there were 24 computers set up. So we got to go see the Leadership Institute of Northern Kenya. Out of 35 graduating students, 23 were Muslim background believers. And Isla said... Not even even believers. I mean, these are Muslims. Yeah, yeah, 23 23 Muslims. Yeah, 23 Muslims out of 35 35 students. Yeah, thank you. And uh, Isla said, hey... If you show these people you love them, if you come alongside them, if you do, they're, they're going to embrace, they're going to listen to you. They're going to listen to what you have to say. Otherwise, they're going to burn it down. They don't like it because you're trying to convert them. And, and Isla right away is like, we're not here to convert anybody. We're here to show them the love of Jesus. Hopefully, they're going to say, wow, what you have, I want. I want to be a follower of Jesus. Isla would say, we never use the word Christian because that's got so much baggage with it that term we say i follow jesus and that's more of a peaceful term they can understand and uh leads to conversation so it was really cool to see this graduating class um the first step of them getting a a degree which they don't have computer access it was uh yeah access ministry yeah i mean that's a big key even some of the ways that we talk about movement um as opposed to maybe some other people is that we really do emphasize the access ministry idea. Now we talk about what does it mean to live as a missionary. That's language that we use in KC Underground. But like, how can we really truly love people in the way that they feel loved? And and sometimes that's really simple. It's just showing up. It's having a conversation. It's listening to God on their behalf and praying for them. Sometimes it's complicated or um, the needs are really like glaring just in your face and you know they're hungry we need to feed you you're you know whatever and so it's been really it's it was cool because there's not a there's not a hidden motive it's not like hey we're gonna sneak like what we used to do in youth ministry it's like hey come to a lock-in boom jesus we're gonna talk about jesus bait and switch yeah we don't do quite it's not bait and switch but there's a very clear front door we're gonna love this community desperately needs education uh, for people, I mean, people don't know how to use computers. They've, even if they do somehow go to college, they don't know how to type. So it's like, okay, we're going to start this class. So what we could do as Americans is we could buy a few cheap desktop computers, and all of a sudden we get to partner with them. And, and what God is calling them to do when we get to partner alongside, yeah, and we got to be here for the first graduating class. And it was worshipful, man. And, and uh, the opportunities that are opening up. And soon, it's what Tim was saying, everyone in this community knows and loves the people who are running this community center, this institute. So if someone does want to burn it down, the rest of the, you know, the rest of the town is going to be like, no, you know, they help us. They're here. Their reputation is that they're here to love us. And yeah, man, they're doing it in the name of Jesus and they're seeing cool stuff. So it, it reminds me of, I have a lot of Muslim friends in the Kansas City area and they've all told me the same thing that one, when they move to America, they're told two things. One is that Americans hate Muslims, and two, if they are interested in you, it's only to convert you. It's not a genuine love. So if you imagine them coming with that mindset, and then you just hang out with them, and you've been friends with them for years just loving on them, they're like, yeah, I don't believe those statements anymore. That's not true. That's showing a love of Christ, which is, is really cool. And it was interesting, too, 
um, I talked to an African brother here and I said, you know, why do you think this can't happen in America, what you're doing here? And his response was very interesting. He's like, you guys don't need God. Mm. We need God. We're desperate. We need God. You Americans, you've got so much. You're the land of plenty. So you've got distractions. And it's very interesting. He said, I think the best thing that could happen to you guys is to have persecution. And I'm like, dude, don't pray for that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I want that. But I, I started thinking about that. Wow, he's right. Do we need God for to meet what needs? You know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, so as an introduction, these next few weeks, you're going to hear what I was calling uh, testimonies from the stories from the field, stories from a legitimate uh, multiplying disciple-making movements. And so we're highlighting basically four catalytic leaders. Uh, first one is a guy named, uh, let's see, who should we, we'll, we'll probably start with Isla. Okay, so Isla is the first one. Isla, incredible. I mean, you probably know Isla the best, Tim. If you could just describe Isla a little bit, then I'm sure this will be next week's episode. Uh, who is Isla? Yeah, Isla is coming from a Muslim background. He's an MBB, Muslim background believer. Gave his life to Jesus, teenager. Was rejected in the town we just came from. Uh, his father told him, um, "I'm, yeah, you're basically dead to me." They weren't going to kill him, but it's like, you're dead to me. And he just hung in there, and he loved him. So right across the road from where he grew up is now the Leadership Institute of Northern Kenya, where Muslims and Jesus followers alike all come together. So he he is a guy that's just been loving people. Read about him in the book Miraculous Movements. You won't see his name, but that's him, big part of that. And he is well-respected, and he's... Uh, I don't know. There's something about his spirit when you when you just see him. It's like the Apostle Paul, or he yeah. just I don't know. That's it, a great comparison. It does legitimately feel like you're talking to the Apostle Paul, and the way that he goes about the spiritual authority that he has. The I mean, just the the generations and generations and generations of disciple makers and church. It was just it is phenomenal. This dude is amazing. There's also an utter simplicity, even though he's brilliant. And he's got his, well, he's got his doctorate and he's, I mean, he's brilliant, but everything he says goes back to prayer, simplicity of faith, simplicity of obedience. So I will be our first episode. Um, after that, we'll probably hear uh, from Bernard. Uh, we have a couple episodes from Bernard. Um, and Corey, I know you hung out with him a lot throughout the week. What's, uh, what, what was your takeaway of who Bernard is? Yeah, he's just a young um, kind of up-and-coming leader. He leads worship at one of the local churches in, in town in northern Kenya. And um, he's definitely kind of a part of these like three young men that have each kind of had a hard journey and road and are now living at the, the Link Institute, but like have been really discipled along from uh, one of the other church planners, Ruth, who very much plays one of these apostolic roles. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bernard is just like this, incredibly fun loving um speaks great english super friendly and like just a crazy worshiper of god i mean like so i went to his church on that sunday morning and he just was he was going after it and it was just really fun to see how how excited he was and just loved having all of us around and was so good at being relational with everybody there it's just you know when you have that kind of an experience of the church planner who could totally be you know, I feel above in some ways with uh, the amount of power and stuff that he's moved in. 
to just be so relational and humble was just powerful to interact with. Mm-hmm. So. And he was really good at slaughtering goats. Yeah. We got a couple of goats gifted to us, and we got to be around that, and and then we ate said goats. Uh, so that was that was exciting. Yeah, Bernard's an amazing dude. Um, and he he's part of the story of another guy named Peter. So you'll hear Peter, Peter's testimony. Uh, Peter was essentially a, I mean, we'd probably call him a terrorist. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was essentially from a tribe that was trying to kill Christians, and he had an encounter with God. And so we get to, uh, through Bernard, we'll, you'll hear that testimony. And now he's a, a local church planner to the very people that he came from. Uh, it also got to, maybe my favorite of all the stories was uh, Ruth. Ruth is kind of the, in some ways, she's the female version of Isla, uh, except she's not educated at all. She only, she speaks uh, Swahili. She didn't speak hardly any English. And uh, her story was so fun to record of just like how God called her and what, how God's been using her. And she basically goes through the entire missionary pathway in her conversations and she kind of trains you. And, uh, and some of these are kind of hard to hear. Some of them are kind of hard to understand because uh, Bernard is... You know, he's he's translating the best that he can, but obviously I think it's his third or fourth language, English. So uh, I try to jump in every once in a while. Corey and I try to jump in every once in a while and kind of like recap the story and and, uh, and whatnot. So th- these are pretty amazing. Who did, did I get everyone? I think that was all of them, right? Um, and these testimonies really are just a, a handful of, of the things that God is doing here. Um, but I just want to give uh, one opportunity, one more opportunity before we head out here. If there's anything else that you guys want to say that God has shown you or uh, relaying it back to Kansas City. Because one of the things that we we wrestle with always is, okay, we are here, we're in the midst of some pretty rural, unreached people group areas. And it's like, we're always saying, okay, these things that we're learning here, we know this is the characteristic of how God moves and how the gospel moves. What does that look like for me in my world, in my context, in my friends? And uh, and so those have been some of the, the major takeaways. We asked Isla, and you'll hear Isla's answer next episode. What do we do? Well, you know, spoiler, he says pray. But uh, just like, what does that mean, right? So maybe for you guys, here's my last question. Seeing movement on the ground here in Africa, what does that mean for us in America? Biggest takeaway, application. I think for me, I have been looking for the people that are, they have a holy disgruntledness. Something's missing back in America. It's it's not four walls in a steeple. It's not Sunday morning. That was a great message. Awesome. See you next week. There's more than that. I'm missing something. I need to be in community people. I need to be actively involved in my faith. So who can I find a partner with me that we can pray for finding people around us? So I don't want to forget what just happened here. When I go back to America, I want to find like-minded people who have that uneasiness to say, man, we have got to all make disciples who make disciples. Yeah. It's all of our work. It's not It's not the pastor's job. It's not the paid professional. It's all of us. So find the people to do it and say, come on with me. Let's go on this journey together and teach them how to do that. Right on. Yeah, I think for me, and Isla talks about this a little bit, but even in some of his teaching stuff was like outsider to insider language, um, where I think oftentimes, you know, the paid professional leaders are typically the outsiders, you know, especially in America. And I go, um, there's such an emphasis on the insider to the point that it feels like that is so paramount to moving forward, even in the places that you live, learn, work, or play, right? Where it's like... Um, and as I think about it with students too, it's like, well, I'm not a high school kid, so 
I've yeah. got to find and raise up high school kids and then mm-hmm. slash also potentially teachers that belong on the inside. They're already yeah. there. And how yeah. do I partner with them because they already have the access, you know, in some, some ways it's like, it's challenging to think through some access concepts mm-hmm. um, because it just feels different in America. Yeah. You know, it feels like there's some other unique ways that we're going to have to think through that. Uh, but I, I think all in all finding and raising up the insiders and, you know, equip and release because they're the ones that are going to move in power and they're the ones that are going to already have the access around those that don't know Jesus and can live life with Mm -hmm. them. So totally. Great point. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, I love hearing the stories of African catalytic leaders. You're talking about the big five. Mm -hmm. Um, They all talk about how like they're being trained by catalysts from like India and Mm -hmm. Asia Right, where the move, movements, like some of the early movements are just going nuts in the late 90s and early 2000s. And and they all said, all these Africans are like, it can't happen here. Not, it can't happen here because of this, 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 and this. And some of the this, 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 and this are very similar to why we in America say, oh, movement can't happen here. It's just different than Africa. Uh, being here, it's like, yeah, I can identify the differences, but I can also be like, this DNA is present every time the gospel moves. These things are key. Radical prayer, persons of peace, access ministry, uh, gospel planting, right? Not just preaching and teaching and converting, but like meeting where people are at and then seeing new forms of church. So, I mean, for me, it's funny. What's my biggest takeaway? It's like, let's keep persevering in what God has called us to in Kansas City. Like the microchurch conversation is important, but how do we live as missionaries and plant the gospel to see those churches arise? And it's like, yeah. Let's keep doing it. Let's keep let's keep doing it. And this this was just kind of for me. I've I've been on sabbatical. This is my return. I've been on sabbatical for the past two and a half months, and it was. I've been telling these guys, it feels like like grease on the the wheels, right? Like it's I, I, it's this new passion as I'm reminded of what God is doing here uh, is what I want to see again in the states. So cool. Well, hey, there you go. I hope you guys enjoy. Send the airport, man. We're yeah. flying home. That's true. We got We got to go. Hour flight. Brian wanted this podcast right now so we can release it. Uh, but yeah, so that's it. We are, we're about to head back. Um, I hope you enjoy the next few weeks of stories and, uh, we'll catch you soon. Thanks for listening to the underground podcast. We hope that it's either been an encouragement to you or that it's created a curiosity about what it means to live into a missionary mindset with an aim to make disciples and see the church emerge. If you're a missionary or a microchurch in Kansas City and you're looking for coaching or just belonging within a network, we'd love to connect with you so we can learn about what you are doing and how you are joining Jesus for gospel saturation in this city. If you're outside the Kansas City area and have questions about what it would mean to catalyze a disciple-making movement, that leads to the emergence of microchurches and every network within your city. We'd love to connect with you as well and offer whatever resources might be helpful to you. You can find out more at kcunderground.com. Grace and peace, friends.